So we are heading into Pesach, Tavshin, Pei Aleph. Um, we're going to begin with a very brief overview. And I would like to address the uniqueness of this year. Briefly looking at your questions, some of them I'll answer right now. And then we'll either make a follow-up today or we'll continue next Tuesday. I would like to thank whoever it was that organized the um, Google Sheets. I know that last year Leah was very involved in it. Um, it will be better if people can just, as time goes on, ask questions. And if there is a need to have a class twice a week or three times a week, even shorter ones, I don't mind doing it at all. For me, the easiest way is for people to ask their questions. And I think let everyone see everyone else's questions. Um, if you're if you're not comfortable, then at least um, WhatsApp them to me personally, and I'll repeat your question anonymously, and I'll give the answers. Now, this year is unique because Pesach is Motsoi Shabbos, and therefore it does change certain practices as will be explained in a moment. Even though we are keeping Pesach since when we're born, and for the people that are Balei Tshuva, you're keeping Pesach for many years, it's very important not to enter Pesach with the attitude, I already learned it, I know it. It's always important to review that which we know. And um, that's the reason why we won't forget it is because we review. Obviously, we cannot review it all, but I think it's important to give a very brief Chazorah, which, by the way, Miriam will answer some of the earlier questions that I see uh, that you asked. I, I'm also reading what we are dedicating today's class, a little Shlema of Yosef Yitzchak ben Leah Gittel. So, Chametz, Chametz is a unique prohibition. All of the pre-Pesach preparation has to do with the prohibition of not consuming etc. chametz. The etc. is very important because there are many foods that we may not consume. Hilchas kashrus. Chametz is unique. Mamish unique. Chametz is prohibited to consume. Chametz is prohibited even to derive benefit thereof. Now there are few, but there are other foods that we may not even derive benefit from. But very few chametz including. And beyond mamish unique to food, chametz is something that we may not own in our possession over Pesach. Isur achila, isur hanoa, And because of that, the chachamim added, and they said, amongst other reasons, that when it comes to other prohibited foods, sometimes they are nullified. So if a little bit of a prohibited falls into, gets mixed with a lot of a permitted, there normally will be a ratio in which the prohibited becomes halachically non-existent. Not so by Pesach, that if on Pesach, even the most minute amount of chametz got mixed in with a lot of permitted foods, midrabanon, on Pesach, chametz will not become nullified. Which is why we approach Pesach with a level of seriousness which is unprecedented. Another quick hagdama, and everything in the right balance. 
On one hand, it's a mitzvah to have joy on Yontif and going beyond the norm, overstressing should not be done. But this is a halachic class. On the other hand, when it comes to Pesach, we advocate for people to go beyond the letter of the law. We celebrate Chumras. In other areas of halacha, the Torah says that being overly stringent is foolish and counterproductive. We don't have that approach when it comes to Pesach. Now, I'm not suggesting everything is a balance. So because of this statement, which says clearly people were so machmer dataka, they lost their joy of the yantif. So you have to be careful not to get to that level. But it's important for people to be more machmer than normal, to up the level more than an otherwise, more than their normal standard when it comes to Pesach. Now, we have to get rid of the chametz. We may not own chametz. If we have chametz in the house and it gets mixed into the food, it won't be bottle. Oigavalt. So because of that, there is a three-pronged attack against chametz. And we never rely only on one. Even though you can argue theoretically one would have been enough, this is not what we do. Number one, we make a declaration. We make the declaration when we are still allowed to derive benefit from chametz. Beyond that time, this declaration is nonsensical. But prior to a certain time, we declare that all of the chametz that we own, we are disowning and we are considering it just like the dust of the earth. If a person were not only to say these words, but to mean these words, then on a biblical level, you don't own your chametz anymore. And as long as you don't eat it, as long as you don't eat it, you're not violating owning chametz on Pesach. The rabbis do not allow us to only use this tool. We have to do this. But this may not be the only tool for two reasons. Number one, nullifying your chametz is only valid to resolve that thou shall not own chametz. So you don't own it. Even though it's in your house, it's not yours. It's prohibited to own your chametz. It's not yours. It's a hefkir. But if you were to eat it, even though you don't own it, then uh, then you're violating eating chametz on Pesach. If I eat your chametz on Pesach, if I eat a non-Jew's chametz on Pesach, aside of stealing, I'm also violating eating chametz on Pesach. So just nullifying the chametz without a thorough Pesach cleaning looking, searching for the chametz and then getting rid of it, rabbinically, you're not good. Now on the other hand, the other tool which is good, biblically, which we also which we also will use is what we call exactly, looking for your chametz, making a badika. It's not that what you find has to be burnt. What you find can be consumed before Pesach. What you find may be locked away in designated chametz areas, which will, as we'll explain, the third prong will be sold to a guy. But what you are doing is, is that you want to make sure that the environments in which you will be living over Pesach are chametz-free environments. Now, crumbs are not chametz. You can't eat it. But we're not going to say, well, being that rabbinically the most minute amount of chametz 
if I eat on Pesach, I'm in a violation. So how do I get rid of the crumbs? And maybe there was a crumb that I missed. And if I have a, a, a carpet, who says vacuuming it once is enough? Maybe vacuuming it twice or thrice. Like, what's the limit? The limit is if there's any amount of chametz that is not substantial, I'm not talking about that it's less than a kazais. Even small, it's small. You can't a crumb. Obviously, clean the house. But once you clean, once you clean your house, we will now rely on step number one: is is that you nullified it, or it's automatically nullified, and you're good to go. So we both nullify the chametz, and we look for the chametz. We search for the chametz. The final time to search for the chametz is the night prior to the seder. Unlike this year. Take out this year. However, it doesn't begin then. It ends then. When people who are undertaking the mitzvah of searching and cleaning their houses for Pesach, let's say generally most people start getting in that in, into that mode after Purim, immediately after Purim or a week after Purim. But normally by now people are or should be in the mode of cleaning for Pesach. And if you're going to strategically go through your house, leaving the kitchen and dining room and eating areas last, beginning with the parts of the homes, which once you cleaned out, it's easier to, to establish this area is already chametz free, no more chametz in this area. So every time you clean out a bedroom, that's part of the mitzvah, bedikas chametz. Even though you did not bring in chametz, you didn't bring it in that area, but people with children should be mindful that it's possible and probable that you got chametz everywhere. Everywhere meaning to look in the pockets of the children. Everywhere means if you used to have cuffs in the pants for the men, so then you have to look in the cuffs. You have to look in the pockets, especially of the children. I know some adults have a thing that they never put food in their pockets, but some don't. You never know, etc., etc. So you're not gonna, you don't have to spring clean to the extreme, but you have to go through environments looking for chametz. The final surge normally is the night before Pesach, this year two nights before Pesach. We'll get to that later. But Bidikas chametz is a process, and I mention this every year. The final step in every environment should be done at night. You could use a flashlight during those pre-Bidikas chametz nights examinations. So if you cleaned out bedroom A and bedroom B, and now you're ready to move on, so someone should go through that environment with a flashlight, making sure flashlight the advantage of a flashlight is is that the, the bigger light is off so it's a very small focused light so you're not looking at the whole room at the same time you're focused in the area where the light is hopping and that is where you will if there's something if you make a proper examination then you will find comments if it was accidentally overlooked now step number three and and the final will be the night before the seder this year two nights before the seder the minig is to put out 10 pieces of bread to make sure that every piece in itself does not have a large amount because if you will, God forbid, not find one of them, at least if it's smaller than the kazais, at the end, after you try it again and again to look for it, 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 it it's better. Um, having said that, you should mark where you put the 10 pieces, you, you, you lay it out there, and you're going to make the final inspection looking for the chametz. There's another reason why the sages said that just nullifying the chametz is not enough. Is because you might not have meant it. Because saying the words is only here valid if you meant that you are nullifying your chametz. 
Now, I get it that if a person has a little half a donut under their, under their uh, sofa that is half moldy, they mean it. But if you have an expensive bottle of whiskey and you're saying the words, I'm nullifying the chametz, do you mean it? If you paid, uh, you know, what relatively for you, expend a lot of money for that, etc. You don't mean it. You don't necessarily mean it. Which is why we are obligated to look for the chametz and to get rid of it before Pesach. And the third prong of attack is, I'm not going to myself get rid of it by eating it or by discarding it or by burning it. But yes, I will put it in a designated area and I will sell it to a Nanju who will own it 100% over Pesach. So it won't be mine. So it's not my chametz which is in my house. And really, the location in which the chametz is, is, is set aside, that location is being rented to the Nanju. So it's, the chametz is not even in, it's not even in your halachic environment. These are the three steps. Now what's unique about this year is as follows. Normally, Bedikas chametz is done the night before the Seder. After we search the chametz, we make a declaration. But the declaration of the night is not that all chametz is nullified. The declaration of the night is, is that all the chametz that I did not find is nullified. The chametz that you found, you are not nullifying because you want to fulfill the mitzvah of burning it. You want to perhaps have breakfast, which is chametz dik. So there's two nullifications that we make the night before the Seder doing Bedikas chametz. There we are saying that we might have overlooked something. We made an effort to search through the house. We made a Pesach cleaning that's good halachically. The chametz that we found will be burnt during the day. But if we missed any piece of chametz, then I, I want to be covered on a biblical level by making the declaration that I nullify it. And we do the best to really mean it. The chametz that we know will be sold to the guy is not included. We're not referring to that. Even though the sale did not take place yet. Doesn't matter. It's the chametz that we are, we are not including in the sale. It's the chametz that we will not be consuming and or burning. That is what we nullify the night. When we burn the chametz during the day, then we make a very big declaration. We say that all chametz, both the chametz that I know and the chametz that I don't know, the chametz that I found, the chametz that I didn't found, that is the main nullification. All of it is nullified. Now, we burn the chametz at a very specific time, the day prior to Pesach. We may not eat chametz once four hours of the day passed, but we can still have benefit from chametz during that fifth hour. Once the fifth hour of the day passed, the halachic fifth hour, then we may not even have benefit from chametz. Once we may not even have benefit from the chametz, declarations of nullification for halachic reasons do not work. So every year, more or less, you know, you can eat chametz until 10.30, and then you have to burn it between 10.30 and 11.30, more or less, or 10.40, and between 10.40 and 11.40, or something around that neighborhood. This year is unique. This year is unique because on Shabbos we may not burn. But up until Shabbos, and I'll give you the times for Los Angeles, until 10.53 a.m., this Shabbos day, not this Shabbos, Shabbos at a Pesach day, one is allowed to eat chametz. So normally we would be burning the chametz between 10.53 and around an hour. Now let it burn. 
So we have to burn it prior to Shabbos. But what, what are we going to use for this Shabbos meal? How can we make a declaration of nullification while we burn the chametz? If the second declaration by the burning is a very big declaration, we are saying that all of our chametz is nullified. But how can we say that if we have to eat a su'ud Shabbos, which includes bread? So let me tell you that what we do, and then we can ask questions. What we do this year is, we make bedikas chametz a full 24 hours earlier. We normally would have done it the night before the Seder. This year, the night before the Seder is Friday night. We make the final bedikas chametz Thursday night, like we do it every year, with all of the details of being careful to do it ASAP. So for if your husband's, and the families have the schus of having the husband davening with a minion. Then you wait until the husband comes home from the minion. But right after he comes home from Maidiv, right after he comes home from Maidiv, he right away does Bidikas Chametz with the whole family. That's Thursday night. The Chametz that will be found, the 10 pieces, will be burned Friday day. We burn it Friday day as if Friday is the Ed of Pesach. So this year, just to know, in LA, the burning must be done up until 11.56. Even though Be'emes, after 11.56, nothing changes. But not to differentiate one year from the other. For people to always remember that Chametz is burnt towards the end of the first part of the day. Out of Pesach. Being that we may not burn it on Shabbos, we don't burn it Friday afternoon. We burn it during, again, it's going to be anywheres from Friday morning up until 11.56. But this is the big thing. The mystical prayer, we do say. But the declaration of kol that we say during the burning of the chametz may not, should not, will not be said this year during the burning of the chametz. It must be said Shabbos during that time. It must be said Shabbos between 10.53 and around an hour later. So, B'dikas Chametz this year is the same. You're going to look through the Chametz Thursday night. You will have already a kosher kitchen by B'dikas Chametz. Not, well, how can you make B'dikas Chametz in your house if your kitchen is not Chametz? If, 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 there's still Chametz there. It's the final looking through the Chametz in the whole house. Which means that any food that will be served in the house will be Pesach Dik. If someone is allowed to eat chametz, so if you have a backyard, if you have a porch, and you know that having chametz over there will remain only over there, that is easier when there's no kids around, then no problem, you can have chametz not only Friday morning until the time of the burning, but here you can eat chametz after you burnt it. Don't forget, when you burnt the chametz this year, you're not nullifying your chametz, you're burning it. You're burning the chametz that you want to burn. The sale of the chametz this year, which normally goes into effect the day prior, will go into effect only Shabbos at 10.53. But you can't make a transaction on Shabbos. So the transaction is going to happen on Friday. But the sale of the chametz only goes into effect Shabbos late morning. So therefore, are you allowed up until around 10.53 Shabbos morning to put new things in the Chabbat's cabinet? Can you put away some leftover Chabbat's that you will eat on Shabbos in the Chabbat's closet prior to 10.53? There's a big machloikis about it. 
Bottom line is, is that products, you could, with the details, that if you have a knot, you have to leave these cabinets marked, you can't make a knot on Shabbos, so we have, there's many details of how you have to modify it. But mamish chametz may not be put away on Shabbos itself. So what practically what we do is, is that the meals that will be served over Shabbos will be kosher Pesach meals, but we have a mitzvah to eat a meal, halachically means bread, challah on Shabbos. So we're going to designate, we're going to buy, and we're going to guard the amount of bread that people need for that family. So everyone should have, right, two kezesim, a kebeya. Everyone should have around two ounces of challah to be allowed to wash properly and make all the brachas. Right, it's probably a little bit less than a bilkala. And the goal will be to have Lecha Mishnah Friday night, to have Lecha Mishnah Shabbos day. Shabbos morning, davening is very early. We will daven in Sola probably seven or earlier, or start a quarter to seven, in order for everyone not to have to rush by davening, God forbid, and to be able to come home and to have a Su'uda Shabbos with challah and finish the challah before 10.53. That's the goal. So you have to be practical. Like if you have a backyard, thank God, then you make sure the meal you can eat in the dining room, but the challah you'll eat outdoors. And there's many detailed questions for many of us here that are learning Shulchan Aruch. It's not so simple to eat challah in one environment and to have the meal in the other environment. You have to be able to see from one place to the other. I'm not going to go into those details. But the concept is, is that we're going to eat the challah part of the meal, both Friday night and Shabbos day, outside with a lot of caution, to make sure that no crumbs remain on your fingers, no crumb remains on the clothing of the body. So when you come back to your Shabbos table, even though it's not Pesach yet, you're not bringing chametz back into the same place that you'll be having the Seder. Either you're going to finish eating all the challah, and if you have some challah left over, or if you have some crumbs left over, we flush it down the toilet. Then there's garbage issues. Can you throw some of it in the garbage? Well, even though we nullify the chametz, as we do Shabbos, Shabbos after 1053, we don't burn it, but we make the nullification. We want to make sure that all of the chametz that we know of is out of our homes. People who rely on the Eruv will put it in the garbage in front of their homes. I'm talking about the little leftover of the, the plate, the plastic plate outdoors upon which there was the challah. What do you do with that? People who don't use the Eruv have a, much, have a challenge. So normally they would eat it over a napkin and they would flush the napkin and the crumbs down the toilet. So recapping, this year, the house should be ready for Pesach Thursday night as if Pesach is Friday night, as if. House is fully clean. Whatever is going to be sold is already in the designated area. Can you leave a few products out and then put it in later? Yes. Every year you do that. You can put products in the designated area on the Ed of Pesach. This year, you can definitely put it in there up until Shabbos. Some people do not like putting anything else on Shabbos. If you forgot and you have to put something away on Shabbos before 1053, you may do so to the exclusion of actual chametz that has to be completely consumed. Not to have chametz is not an option because how are you going to do the mitzvah of having a meal? Don't forget, we're not allowed to eat matzah. The minig is not to eat matzah 30 days prior, and it's rabbinically prohibited to have matzah edif. On Shabbos, we're not allowed to eat matzah. So how are you going to wash for hamoitzi? You have to have challah. You have to have chametz. 
So make sure, again, it's a very small amount. The meal has to, challah part of the meal must be over by 10.53. And, um, and make careful that the crumbs or the remnants of that is going to be properly disposed of toilet. If your garbage is outside your home and you use the Eruv, then put it in the garbage outside of your home. I think that's a good opening recap. And let us right away start now with questions. Now, it's hard for me to... Um, to read the questions right now because this machine is being used for this and that for that. So Miriam, I saw you asked a few questions, so you'll start. And uh, I would like to ask of people who are asking if you can please appear. It, it's not so easy to speak to a black box, but especially if I'm interacting with you, that will be very helpful. Thank you. Okay, Miriam, begin. What was your, what was what question did I not answer from the many questions? I hope I answered yeah, some. Thank you, Rabbi. Um, I'm just looking through. In terms of eating the challah outside on Shabbos, do we have to give challah to children? Could we give, can we give them matzah? No, don't give children matzah. That for sure is out of the question. If the children are of the age, you're being, it's a practical good question. That if I'm going to give them a little bit of challah, who knows? Some of it will get stuck in between their fingers and some of it in between their toes. And Then don't give it. Then don't give it. I want to say, by the way, halachically, it's not only challah. Halachically, you can have kugel, lakshin kugel. In other words, until 10.53 Shabbos morning, you can eat chametz. What I said was just practical. Practically means, how are you going to have chametz if you have to finish all of it? And even the crumbs will have to be disposed of. So, like, I don't know, Ephraim, I don't know where where he's at, Miriam, your older son. So I'm saying... I mean, it's going to... Uh, go everywhere. Then you then 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 then, he's, then you then don't give him challah. Then don't give him challah. Let him witness his parents eating challah in a, in a strange place. And remember, ah, I was out of Pesach, so they 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 did the mitzvah of eating a meal, which is a mitzvah to eat challah. But they did it in a place where even if there'll be crumbs, like the crumbs on the grass, doesn't matter. You're not worried about that. No, the crumbs, no, the crumbs, bachlal, even in the house, like I said, something substantial that you can pick up and eat is what we're worried about. If it's already outside the house, and it's, we do, we'll do the best we could not to be as least crummy as possible. But beyond that, you're good. Okay, um, so we're having our kitchen kosher next week, unfortunately. <laughs> so I... Um, Rabbi Schusterman had mentioned when I listened to this class last week that you can't use it 24 hours prior. And I just wanted to make sure I understand what does can't use mean? Does that literally mean you can't like cut a fruit and like can't touch it or just hot? Okay. So koshering the kitchen, there are two tools, there are two ways that we kosher through boiling hot water and through libun, which is torching. Anything that's being koshered through torching does not need a 24-hour prior it not being used. Anything that will be koshered through lib, through a hagala, through boiling hot water, needs 24 hours. Certainly 24 hours for it not to be used with heat. Some people are machmer and they don't use it with any liquid. You can have a banana in your kitchen. But if you can avoid it, some people avoid that. But if you add, if you opened up the you washed negelvasen in your sink, so cold water poured on it, that's not a reason for you not to be allowed to do hagala as long as you for twenty four hours did not use hot heat in that area. 
Um, for food that is not kosher for Pesach, can it be kept in the refrigerator or freezer or pantry on a designated shelf? So, theoretically, if it's designated in a way, in a way where it's not just designated, but it's really marked properly, like, I don't know how healthy it is for the fridge for you to have like a partition put in there. I know there has to be a certain amount of air circulation, but if you were to have like a barrier, a piece of paper that was scotch taped, chametz, or something like that, that is theoretically okay. If there's nothing properly marking it, then rabbinically it's prohibited. If it's properly marked, that if you, in the middle of the night, if you'll open it up, and even if you'll forget for a moment that it's Pesach, you'll see that you can't get in there with, without breaking something, then it's okay. Some people don't do that if they can afford not to do it, but if that's the circumstance, then you have to mamish, aside of having everything properly put in containers, so no leakage and no spilling over, etc., you have to make sure that there's a real, it's like I have a pantry that, that is chametz dick, but there I have a, a marker on it. And I, I can't see into it. And if I were to go there, I would have to break through the boundary that I put as a reminder. If you can create the same thing in a fridge, it's not that practical, then it's okay. You can, do, you can put like all the comics in a plastic bag and tie it and you can even double bag it. But aside of that, I'm saying that aside of that, being that many times during the year, things in the fridge are in a plastic bag, people that are neat, that's not considered enough of a reminder. It's like the question that Miriam asked in the beginning, Bechlal, who has to do B'dikas Chometz? Just nullify it. The answer is that if you'll nullify it, you might come to eat it. You might forget Chometz is permitted the whole year. So we have to, for even what we sell to the guy, it has to be designated in an area. And people put a rope and they tie it. So you have to have something of that level in the fridge. Now, if someone never has anything in a plastic bag in the fridge, I'm seeing that, whatever. So then maybe doing that is a big reminder. But that's not the reality. So you said a shelf. It should be a shelf and it should be it should be tied closed. It should be scotch tape closed. It should be covered with a paper. It should be very clear chametz and no leakage. So for the no leakage, Badbasi said is good. Put it in a, a bag in another bag. kosher for Pesach and has not been opened that's currently in the fridge and the pantry um, the fridge and pantry haven't been cleaned yet it's just I current, happen to own some things can I use those on Pesach even though they're touching the unclean shelf? Absolutely no problem but again common sense common sense is listen we're speaking about something in a pantry that means there's no heat involved so the taste of chametz that's outside did not penetrate but if it's dirty so clean it off before. Okay. If it was open, then 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 who knows what might have fallen in there. But if it's closed, if you have a can of uh, tuna fish that also happens to be kosher of Pesach, you have a chocolate bar and it's closed, yeah, the fact that it's in a pantry only demands of you to wipe it down. It's common sense. Um, for other stuff, we're having the kitchen kosher early. So I've noticed there's a lot of food items at the grocery store that say they're kosher for Passover, but that are also kidney out. Can we have those in the kitchen? Yes, you could. You're very good. I'm happy you asked that question. So we Ashkenazim don't eat kidneys, but utensils that had in them kidneys, even if with heat, even though it absorbed the taste of kidneys, we don't have to kosher it. 
which means that many people, by the way, you're not kashering it early, you're normal. I would say most families bring in Pesach in the kitchen sooner than later. It's just easier that way. I know it's more expensive. Every case is a case. Just don't, don't look at it. I'm talking to you. That you're, you don't, It's not early. You're doing it normal. You're doing it when, it's, when it works for you. And yes, you can eat kidneys. And no worry, as well as gebracht before. And uh, even if there is chametz in there, it's nullified before Pesach. Completely nullified. The problem is during Pesach. That on Pesach, like we said in the intro, rabbinically it's not nullified. But if a little bit of chametz gotten... I'll give, give you an example, Miriam. People in Chabad, we don't, we don't have unpeeled. But even in Chabad, the food that you prepare before Pesach, for Pesach, doesn't have to be peeled. Because even if I'm going beyond, even if there's a little drop of something on top of that peel, if you prepared it, you cooked it, you mixed it before Pesach, it's nullified. Bottom line is yes, you can use kidneys before, and you can use those utensils on Pesach. But make sure it's a good hechshir. You know, you know, in Ashkenazi, ah, kid, kidneys doesn't mean chametz. Kidneys means it's only kidneys, whatever is in kidneys. Um, since, you, since you mentioned the peeling, I I don't really understand the minhag. Can you explain the minhag of peeling and not eating garlic? And then, kind of furthermore, stop, 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 stop. Okay, slowly, it's like this. Peeling, peeling is a common sense minhag. Peeling is is that there are products that are put whether it is a pesticides or other products that can fall accidentally on the exterior of anything that everyone has access to. When you go to the supermarket, everyone can touch the tomato. And even if, even if they are prepackaged here in Ralph's, but at some point they were out there and there's a fear that there might be a drop of chametz on it, which just makes sense. There's such a possibility. And eating the most minute amount of chametz on Pesach is the end of the world, mamish. So people peel it. Now, like I mentioned, if you're gonna mash up that, you know, that 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 the vegetable before Pesach, even if there was a drop of chametz, it's so little you're not gonna see. If you see it, you'll get rid of it. You'll take it off. So then it's nullified before on Pesach. There's no nullification. So that's why people are the only food that you cannot be machmer on our eggs. So in Chabad and in the many other communities that we only eat peeled products, we have a egg pot. In which we boil the eggs. If you're making hard, if you're making hard-boiled eggs, you don't have to have hard-boiled eggs. But I'm saying eggs is the problem. Garlic is a minig that the reason for it is not relevant today. But who cares? When it comes to Pesach, that is where we are machmer. I'm not telling everyone that you have to be machmer. I get there is a balance in things, but let's here promote hummus that we don't eat garlic. It used to be that garlic used to be dried together with flour. There used to be a certain amount of flour in garlic. Flour per se, theoretically, might not be hummus, but if there's flour on anything on our food and then moisture touches it on Pesach, it's just a matter of time when it will then become hummus, halachically hummus. Okay, even though the reason, the way garlic is made right now, it's kept, kept away from, nevertheless, many people have a minic of not eating garlic on Pesach, including the Chabad community. Does that include the kosher Pesach garlic spice? That includes the kosher Pesach garlic spice, because even people who won't have these chumras, just because you don't have a chumra, it doesn't mean that it doesn't need to have a hechsher. 
So what that Heksher is telling you is, is that they made sure that chemicals or any other products that are used in the processing of any food has no chametz in it. And many do. And many do. So the OU or the OK is saying there's no chametz in here. But it doesn't mean that it's, it doesn't make it into our minic. The kitchen cabinets that are being sealed off—do they still need to be cleaned out? Halachically, no. Hygienically, yeah. Whatever the area. Yes, of course. Um, Every year, we've always put our um, comments that we sell in the garage, and then we close the garage and don't use it. Wait, is my camp? Sorry, sorry. We close the garage and we don't use it, but. are we allowed to use the garage if we have the hummets designated as what's sold? Except, like in the kind of in the kitchen, you have those cabinets. Do not use the, if if is it is it on the garage floor or is it in cabinets in the garage? Um, it could be either. So that the answer will depend. In other words, if you have in your garage cabinets that are properly closed with a little rope or with a piece of tape that's not see through like you have in the kitchen. So then the garage, you can use gesunte hate like you use your kitchen. But if you left Hamid's just out there in the garage, which means that the entire garage is really rented to the non-Jew, I'm not saying that if an emergency happens and there's something that you forgot in the garage, you may not enter. But then generally the answer is don't go in there. Don't go in the garage. Right. That's, that's what we've done in the past. Correct. That's, this year we're going to want to use the garage. So what you can do is, Bela, is that you can designate part of the garage for chametz. But again, like I said in the fridge, if you have cabinets, if you have something that you, that you don't see the chametz, and then you scotch the... Cabinets. That's yeah. the best thing. So then put it in the cabinets and it's like in your kitchen. No problem. Right. Yeah, no problem. But mark it. Mark it. Okay. I have a question. Okay. Um, if we wanted to have comet let's say Friday night, like a real comet meal, are we allowed to have it in a room that, let's say, we're not using for the rest of Pesach, and then after the meal, sweep up, throw everything out, like, or whatever, uh, put away the dishes, and then you just put on, let's say, a Pesach tablecloth on a table? Can we do that? Okay, so Yafa, very good. It's, a, it's good. it's good to speak it out. There's nothing wrong in having a bona fide chametz meal up until 10.53 Shabbos morning this year. It's up to you to determine how much of a headache will it be for you to really get rid of all of the chametz in a halachic kosher way. So you mentioned something that you began saying that you're going to have a room that you won't use during Pesach. Is that what you were saying? You're not going to go there? I'm so, not going to be in my regular dining room on Pesach. Yeah, but the dining room is open in your house. You're not going to seal off your dining room. Right. Right. So, so, so can I just cover the table with a Pesach? And what about the crumbs on the floor? So can I sweep up after the meal, like Friday night? I can't say you're not allowed to do it. I, I would say that the Minigisrol is people are very hesitant to have near their kitchen chametz on the floor because it doesn't take that much like putting down a bag you know, on Cholomite, on the floor, people put bags down, and then some genius taking the bag and putting it on the counter to help out. So the wife shouldn't have to bend down, so they put everything on the counter, and maybe underneath there's mamash a crumb. In other words, you can't say you're not allowed to do it, but 
Again, I'm not advocating for people to go meshuga when they clean their houses. But I would suggest to you, if you're asking the question, don't do that. Eat it outdoors. It's Again, the, your, your outdoors might be just as bad as the dining room. What, what people normally do is if they have a Pesach Dikim meal, and the challah they eat over there in the corner. They eat it over there far away. You, I would set up by a practically for people in Oyafa's house, set up a table on the other side of the swimming pool. Hanging over your neighbor somewhere. Right. I'm just kidding. You know. Yeah. Uh, right. So also, usually we brush our teeth. After oh, thank you. So. Oh, 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 oh. Thank you. That's the issue. So that's the question. Normally we brush our teeth. What do we do this year? Very good. So like this. Brushing the teeth on Shabbos, just to know that there are some poiskim that say you could. There's a machloikas about it. There's an issue both regarding the toothpaste and an issue regarding the toothbrush. I know that in Chabad, generally, we are machmer. For people that follow those who say that if the, if the, if the brush is not too hard, whatever the etatim are, and I'm not, God forbid, going to minimize them, then they should brush their teeth. But if you cannot brush your teeth, don't forget brushing the teeth is a chumrah. What I will say is, is that especially since, by most people, at least Yafa, the meal is not a real chametz dekem meal. We eat challah. And after the challah, we both eat solids and we drink liquids, neither of which are chametz. That is the halachic teeth brushing. Like, for example, between milchiks and fleshiks, I know that I'll pick Kabbalah, we wait an hour, which we should, but I'll pick halachim. Um, it should not be in the same meal. And you have to eat something and drink something in between. Or oh, between fish and meat, better example. So we eat and drink something. That's really the matzah, the, the knedel and the soup. It comes from that, to eat. So if you eat and drink something after the chametz, then it's good enough. But wash your mouth out. People wash their mouth out, you know, with a mouthwash. Correct. Okay, and um, my last question. Um, if I have food in the freezer for the Seder night, I'm not allowed to take it out on Shabbos so it's ready. Because there's very little time between Matzah and Shabbos. The Ferlach. That's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing. is. So like, I, I don't want to give a quick, you cannot do it, but let's speak about this next week. So just put in, put in this Google sheet, wherever it is, just to, you know, what, what could and what cannot be done um, on Shabbos, hachana, hachana means preparing for the Seder. And it's not, not easy. Yeah, it has to be thought out. Correct. Okay, thank you. Okay, guys, to be continued, I'm not running away. I fill out the Google Sheet. If the Google Sheet gets filled up, I don't mind doing this twice a week. I don't mind even if people are not out just to record it. But I think it's already, I think people, you know, 40 minutes is enough, 45 minutes is enough. And a lot more to be continued. Shkoyach. Easy and fun Pesach preparations.